I'm a long distance runner. I ran track and cross country at University of Florida. So like I have endurance. This was by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health, broken down in a relatable way and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. Welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today we have Gailey Alex joining us. Hey, Gailey, how are you? Hi, so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. And we were just talking about baseball caps, because I know that's your signature. And I read how you convinced HGTV to let you wear a baseball cap the whole season of your new show. It premieres tomorrow. So can you tell us how you did that, number one? Because I'm such a baseball cap girl, and I was actually just saying to her, I wish I kept my riding cap on. We'll have to do this again, and then you can wear your cap, and we'll we'll call it a a second round. Saying that I convinced HGTV to let me keep my hat on, that's a very kind way of putting it. It was a little bit more like a demand. (laughs) Every interview, every TV show, anything I've done, I wear a hat. There's a few reasons for it, and a lot of kind of, collateral benefits. But I'd say primarily the reason is before I started working on homes, I had a really severe eating disorder. Like if you looked at my social media before I started creating homes for people, you wouldn't even recognize me. I was in bikinis doing yoga poses and it was so thirsty. And it was basically like me trying to prove validation to myself that I was attractive because I clearly didn't feel that way. So I was trying extra hard to get external validation. It was painful to watch. And after opening up to my fiance and saying I was struggling with this and then him not wanting to marry me anymore, the whole house just crumbled. Like everything in my life fell apart. And when I picked myself back up, I was like, you know what? Like picking myself apart, being really hard on myself with food and negative self-talk, like I, it didn't work for me, right? Because I got to here and here feels really low. So I need to do something different. And a big part of that change was not focusing on how I look. And the easiest way for me to not focus on how I look was to not really look in the mirror and not really wear makeup and not really do my hair and wear a hat and instead focus on what I'm doing with my hands. What am I creating? It was kind of like my way of being free of how I used to treat myself and how I used to punish myself and how I used to be so hard on myself. And it's much easier headspace to live in when you're perfecting homes and not human body because we're were made to be imperfect because the end goal wasn't to get a TV show. And then I got one and then they're like, all right, well, we need your hat to be off in interviews. We need to see your face more. I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. You can't just show me from the back working all the time. <laughs> and so the compromise to being on camera was to let me hide as much as I can. Not because I'm not proud of how I look. It's more not something that I even want being on a TV show to force me to think about and maybe get caught up in because I know I have OCD tendencies. And the idea of seeing a clip of me and then going through that spiral 
would be really, really hard. So a hat is a way to help me focus on my art and what I'm doing. And hopefully that that helps viewers and other people focus on that too. And the collateral benefit to the hat is that I don't have to like brush my hair or put on makeup or anything. That's why I wanted to do a podcast and then everything became virtual. And I was like, great. <laughs> I didn't want to be on screen because it's true. As women, it's really hard to not hyper-focus on your looks, especially if you're prominent on social. So how do you, does the hat help with social too? Like you see your clips and you can focusing on your work and your designs. Yeah, I mean, I'm editing all of my content. So I have to look at myself. Sometimes it'll take, you know, 20 hours going through 2000 clips of editing. I don't want me to not use certain clips of something really cool I did on an install because I don't like how I look. And when I'm just in a t-shirt and in a baseball cap, there's nothing for me to pick apart. It just looks like a girl who's hustling, you know, doing work. And so it makes it easier for me to edit myself and focus on the work. I also hope that little girls can look at my social media and be like, oh, I can be successful. I can grow a big account. And it doesn't and not be in a thong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For what I look like. I don't have to be in a thong. I don't have to be doing like these sexy selfies and photos. I hope that that's a takeaway because I definitely got caught in, in the trap before I kind of, I, I figured out how to do life a little differently. Well, it's a takeaway for me. Now I want to start wearing hats like mm -hmm. all the time. <laughs> like it's Because it's true. It, it really, it, what you were saying about not using something or not editing something because of how you look. And it's, I think it's really hard if you do, which I do as well, suffer from OCD and have those tendencies. And then it's like you're robbing yourself and the community of what you really want to share, which can be difficult. Totally. And it's I want sad. To go back to, it is sad. It is. And I, I need to go back to the fiance that broke out with you because he found out you had an eating disorder. Because that just makes me so angry. And I just, what was your reaction to that? If you can talk about that. Yeah, I'll be honest and, and say that I, especially at the time, I felt like it was my fault. And I didn't blame him for not wanting to be with me because I clearly didn't even want to be in my own body, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was killing myself. And, you know, to, to his point, I had been hiding it. So I hadn't been honest our entire relationship that I was struggling with something. And so there was a breach of trust. On the right. flip side, however, after having gone through a lot of therapy and looking at it, you know, with a, a healthier mind, I realized that, you know, part of the disease, particularly anorexia, bulimia, any sort of eating disorder, they thrive in secrecy. And part of you punishing mm. yourself is feeling like you aren't worthy of help or of existing and you don't want to burden anybody else. And I believe, like, I'm such a do-it-yourselfer. I believed I can figure this out. I can get through it. I'll figure out how to see myself different. I don't need to burden him with it. So it wasn't that I was trying to hide anything. It was that I had, I was so sick, I convinced myself I could do it on my own. And I didn't need to burden my family. I didn't need to burden my fiance. I didn't tell a single girlfriend. It was a very, very silent battle. And the problem with that is that the more silent you are, the more deadly it becomes because nobody can really help you with something you're not willing to admit. Right. And so, so yeah, so it was, it, it was hard. It was hard. It was hard for him. It was really hard for me too, though, because, you know, when I needed 
helped the most. And I finally, finally asked for it right before our wedding because I did feel like I need to see a therapist and I, I want this to be out so that I, I'm not starting our marriage off hiding this. The first time I asked for help, I got completely rejected and had to move out immediately. And it was it was really hard. But I'm I'm grateful for the whole experience because if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have figured out that I'm good at decorating and construction and using my hands. And like the reason I'm here getting to talk to you now on this amazing platform is because I went through that. So I think everything has a, a purpose. Right. And I, I hope if anybody's going through something, I just I hope they know that it's great to DIY a lot of things, especially your home. But don't ever try to DIY your mental health, right? People mm-hmm. and professionals are there to help. And it wasn't until I stopped trying to DIY it myself that I actually started to get better. Yeah, that's a great quote because it is true. Doing things with your hands really does help OCD and anxiety and doing activities because it just takes you out of your head. But you don't want to DIY your mental health. You want to reach out and let people know that you're suffering. So no one even knew in your family or girlfriends about your eating disorder at the time. No. And it, wow. I think I think the, the hard part about eating disorders in particular is I think that mm-hmm. they tend to thrive most on people that are really driven and overachievers and creators. And those personality mm-hmm. types also tend to be pretty intelligent, which means that they want to hide something they're probably going to be able yeah. to, right? They're going to figure out the tricks yeah, the and how to, make, yeah, how to make something appear because they're really aware of details and they know how to cover their tracks or whatever or come up with great excuses. And so I was a master at fighting my inner suffering and my battle. And yeah, it was, it was really, it was really dark. It was really hard. Do you, how, for the day-to-day now, is it something you struggle with still day-to-day that you think about? Are you able to, because I don't, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends who have gone through this and I know some are out on the other side and they still think, they still say every meal, you know, you, it's on your mind or when you look in the mirror, it's on your mind. Do you find that to be true? I, th- I think that if you're hard on yourself, it's always going to be there, whether you believe you should be making more money and providing, and then you make a ton of money, you're still, for some reason, have that inner dialogue of, I need to achieve more. I think if you look at yourself and you're you're hard on yourself and you're really restrictive and thinking about every calorie you put in your mouth, it's going to be hard to let that go forever. But Mm -hmm. the difference is that I put myself in a situation where I don't even have time to really think about that or been on it or focus like when I'm on these installs we're working sometimes 24 hour days and so I'll be in the middle of drywalling in a bathroom and I'm on a ladder for three hours and my shoulders are given out I have no blood in my fingertips like if I blow my nose there's drywall in the tissue like I am so engrossed in what I'm doing and then Monica my assistant is like, all right, food's here. I don't even know what she ordered for me. I am just so hungry and so ready to right. get back up on the ladder and keep going that I'm not even thinking about it. And she usually gets me a cookie too. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I needed that. And so it's like, it's it's more of like a quick moment to eat with my team really quick and get back into it. And we're so hungry and we're working so hard. And it's four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock, the sun is coming up. Like, 
you just we don't have time. And that's kind of been my life outside of my day job. And at my day job, you know, I take a lot of clients out, you know, for my my finance business. I take them out to breakfast, lunch and dinner. So I'm eating with a group and not eating alone has also really helped me. So the fact that mm. I'm just constantly around people and we're breaking bread together and it's like a very positive experience that I want to participate in, I I'm almost so distracted that I don't have that crazy inner dialogue. But if I see, you know, something, you know, highly caloric and something healthy, I'm probably going to choose the healthy thing. But it doesn't mean I'm also not going to have a cookie at the end or a piece of cake if the table orders it. Whereas before, I I would never have touched that. So I'm I'm kinder to myself, but... That voice is still always going to be there a little bit. That's a good point as well of not, if you do struggle with that, like to try to not eat alone. Because as we all know, the thoughts creep in more when we're alone. That's amazing that you've come so far to seem to really thriving and that it is so great. It is such a blessing to be able to do projects with our hands. I can't believe also, I didn't realize you were still in the financial world. My best friend is an interior designer and I helped him last week. I was like about to die at the end of the day. I'm like, this is what you do every day. Like I was like this and I, you know, ride horses, but I was like, this is really hard on the body. You're just going for like 16 hours. So you're also still doing financial work. Yeah. So I mean, I'm an executive at Goldman Sachs. I've been there for over a decade and it's an extremely demanding job. I'm trying to raise close to a billion dollars every year for my firm. And you have to work really, really hard to do that and constantly stay abreast of what's happening in the markets and the world. And my outlet for that is at night, you know, after I get home at nine, 10 o'clock from work, I get on my computer and I start designing and ordering for whatever my next install is going to be. And then when the weekend comes around, because I have my day job, the weekend is the only time I can do these installs, which is why the entire premise of our show, Home in a Heartbeat, Mm -hmm. is like we pour our heart into this and we have three days to get it done. And it's why we don't sleep. So we'll pull like, you know, 72 hours of no sleep. And I've developed plantar fasciitis in four places on my feet from just standing, doing construction without resting them. And then you'll see it on the show, like on reveal day, a lot of times I am still awake from finishing whatever room I'm about to show the family when they get home on Sunday. And I look like, I'm happy, but I also look like I'm low-key dying. And it's because I (laughs) I am so ready to sleep for like 22 hours straight. But it's real. Everybody on my team has a day job. We have a nurse. We have an attorney. Like we're all just there doing this on the weekend to make a family or a homeowner happy. And it's why we do it. But it's hard. And what was your favorite house or I guess not favorite as well, but like most memorable experience from filming this show? I think the most memorable experience for me was the episode that's going to air tomorrow. The very last night, it was like 4.45 a.m. And we knew that the sun was coming up in like two hours. We still hadn't finished the living room. And the family was going to be pulling up at like 9 a.m. And I still needed to to finish this room, change, do my hair, and then stand outside all energetic for reveal day. And it was episode one. It was our pilot. So we had no idea how long filming was going to take. 
it just slows you down so much. Like, all right, guys, we want to get you pulling up five more times from different angles. And I'm like, no, we got to get inside and start working. And they're like, just five more. And I'm like, and so we would waste hours filming. And so I had this just insane, almost debilitating anxiety the entire install. Like, we're never going to finish this. Like filming is slowing me down so much more than how I was doing this in a weekend before it was a TV show. And so it was a huge learning curve. But the most memorable moment was at 4.45, we knew we were about to finish and we were all sitting together in the living room that was almost done. And I sat everybody down and we lit all the candles in the room and turned the lights off. I had music playing and I just said like, thank you guys for pouring your heart into this home. And they're all my best friends. So I know that they were doing it for me more than for the show or the family because they've been working by my side for a year before we even had the show. And I just thanked them all profusely. And I'm looking at them, every single person, all six of us sobbing, uncontrollably sobbing. Our bodies are giving out. Our brains are fried. We're covered in compound and paint and wallpaper glue. And we're just looking at each other like we actually pulled this off. And and we we almost like couldn't believe it, but also we were we were so tired. And so that is a moment that bonded my team and I in a way that nothing else ever can. And we have that moment together right. in that living room. So when we watch that episode tomorrow night, at the end you see me crying really hard right before the family pulls up. And that was kind of a continued cry from that moment in our living room in that living room. Just couldn't believe we did it. And I was so proud of my team. That's awesome. It's so admirable because you're, you seem, which not even seem, you are such a roll up your sleeves. I'll do it myself. Like let's jump, you know, both feet in. For anyone that's listening, that's thinking about maybe making a career change or getting out of a relationship or getting in one or is hesitant, what advice would you give to someone that it really wants to make that leap, you know, take the leap of faith, but is hesitant? I love that question. I call it double tar- <laughs> I call it I call it double tarzaning. And what I mean by that is if you've got one vine and you're swinging through the jungle and that vine is supporting you, it's keeping you safe off of the jungle floor from tigers and lions, like it is it is your support system. It is okay to keep swinging, holding that support, but also still reach for another vine. And you can double Tarzan, which is what I've been doing. And you're kind of swinging from both of these supports, keeping you off the floor. And if you find that your heart and your passion is really geared more towards one of them, once you realize that other vine can fully support you, then you let go of the past and you keep swinging with that. And so I implore anybody that doesn't emphatically love what they do every day because Let's face it, if that's what you're spending the majority of your life doing, like life is short, you should love it. And so if you don't, don't be afraid to double Tarzan and keep doing that until you find one that you really love and then hold on to it until it can support you and then let go. That way you don't have to take the risk of leaving your main support system and then maybe it doesn't work out because I'm hyper aware people have roofs to pay for and families to feed. And so you don't have to take as much risk, but you will sacrifice time. You will sacrifice sleep. And in my case, you might sacrifice the bottoms of your feet and get plantar fasciitis. (laughs) Would you ever leave the financial world? 
to fully do or would you have are you all you would you always want to stay double Tarzaning? Yeah, and I don't know. I've been doing this for three years now, right? I only started designing three years ago. And I've been kind of dually employed that full run. But now I will say after doing this first season, like that was really hard. It was really hard. And I I need to make sure I prioritize my mental health and my physical health. And I don't think it would be healthy to do this again in this manner. So I don't know what's going to change. Maybe I grab that design vine and just keep swinging on it. It's kind of up to viewers. I don't even know if we're going to get a season two, but if we're we're blessed enough to have one, then I've got I've got some really hard decisions I have to make. Right. I know when you were just explaining your schedule, I was like, how does she ever just rest her body for like a few hours? <laughs> it's hard. And I'm I'm a long distance runner. I ran track and cross country at University of Florida. So like I have endurance. This was right. by far the hardest thing I've ever done on my body. Like those track workouts don't hold a candle to this. So I have so much respect for people that work in manual labor every day yes. for their job. I mean, the the level of respect I have is infinite. It's way harder yeah. than most. I don't think people realize, like you said, until you actually do it, you're like, wow, painting even just a small bathroom, like my whole body, I'm going to like be sleeping for three days. It's just, you don't know until you do it and you go through it. How do you keep those urges at bay of perfectionism? Because I think as, I used to always just say women, and then a lot of my male friends, especially like gay male friends, are like, it's us too. You know, we feel horrible after looking at social media. So what is the balance if there is one? So I, I think the same way that you want to set up your day to prepare your mental health, right? You might say, I know working out makes me feel good. I know if I start my morning with a healthy meal, it sets the tone the rest of the day. For me, I know if I wake up and make my bed, it starts mm-hmm. the day feeling productive. And so I'm more likely to be productive. So we all have these little mental health things, these checks that we do throughout the day to keep us in check mentally. I do the exact same thing with my social media. I only follow a handful of accounts, and those are accounts that bring me nothing but joy. They are my family, they are my team, and then a couple of close friends. And if I were to ever see an account that would make me feel not good about myself or maybe create an unhealthy level of comparison or something like that, I wouldn't follow it. There's just, there's no benefit to me. And so I think that we have to be selfish with our social media and set yourself up for success, right? And the same way you try to set your day up for success with the motions you go through, it's it's extremely toxic. And I never go to like, like on TikTok or for you page. Like I am only looking on TikTok. I'm, I'm not following anyone. I'm just on my own account and I only use it to upload videos that I've made. On Instagram, I follow a handful of accounts, but I never go to the main grid and just let Instagram decide what they want to show me. Like I have complete control over what I'm looking at and I don't really watch stories. I use it as a way to communicate with really close family and friends and then post my content and I'm out. I know that I'll spiral if I open up those doors. And there was an interesting story of where you were posting your, you know, installations and, but you weren't on it. And then when you went on, you realized, oh my, the reaction that, what did that feel like? Yeah. So that, I I think you're referring to 
And by the way, I love that you do so much research. So refreshing <laughs> and it's so great to to have somebody Why do that... most people not? Are they like, so you like hammers? <laughs> no, no, but like you're clearly just really passionate about what you do and good at your job and oh. it makes it easier for the conversations. So I just I'm just saying oh. great job. Thank you for doing that research. Yeah, so that that was when after my fiance left me, I had made some videos of our then dream home that we bought that I was decorating and I made the videos more because I love editing. And I liked coming up with like cool storytelling ways to edit. It was less about the decor and the rooms. And when it ended, I checked into therapy. I was with an eating disorder therapist and an eating disorder a nutritionist who like specialized in that. And I got off social media completely. I deleted the apps from my phone, but my account was still live and those videos were up. And so when I checked into therapy, I, as part of my, you know, mental well-being, I didn't want to log in and have anybody be like, where are the wedding photos? What's going on? Like, why have you disappeared? I wasn't ready to handle that. So I waited a few months. And then when I got back on and I felt strong enough to be able to do that, I thought my 700 followers were going to be asking me about wedding photos and where I was. And instead, it was thousands of strangers in my DMs asking me if I could do the same thing I did in that house in Connecticut in that video that they just saw. If I could do that in their basement or in their theater room or in their garage. It was overwhelming because I finally started to take care of myself. And then when I logged back in, I kind of felt like the world was rewarding me. Like, Mm -hmm. good job, Ailey. Like, you finally finally are doing the right thing. You're, You're taking the steps. You're taking care of yourself. We're going we're gonna to help you continue to do that. And we're going to give you this whole new opportunity. And so I just started going into strangers' homes. Like I would get DMs from total strangers all over the world, by the way. And if they were local, I'd be like, yeah, I'll come. Today's Friday. I'll see you at like I just, <laughs> I believe like, that if a mom writes me and is like showing me photos of her right. and her kids and like really wants right. me to help say room, like... I just, I just feel like it's very hard to fake that and that there's malintent there. And so I, I would drive out, meet with these strangers and they'd give me their credit card and their budget. And I tell them what weekend to leave. And I tell them, I'm not a designer. I don't do consulting. We're not going to go to furniture stores together. I just need you to trust me and I won't charge you. I'll do this for free, but I need you to trust me and let me run with it because that's the only way I know how to do it. And so. I've never once consulted with a client, even about like what Mm -hmm. colors they like or what type of couch or what rooms they want to do. Like it is purely, it is purely trust. And so that's how it started. And that's kind of how it's still going. That is so just so never, you're not like what colors or what do you want in this room? No, because it hurts my like creative flow. I need, I let the rooms talk to me. And I'll do a walkthrough with the family and I want to hear like what's not working for them. But usually I I learn a lot more when I ask them to leave for an hour and I'm just alone in the house. I'm looking through drawers. I'm looking at what colors of nail polish they have because Mm -hmm. that kind of tells me like I'm looking in their closets, at their clothes, at their style. There's so many things that a house tells me that they don't even realize I would want to know. And so the house is actually the better consult for me than the person. 
And, and then I, on the show, every single episode, you know, the family will say, we really like these three rooms to be done if you can. And I'm like, okay, what's the budget? Okay, I think I can pull it off. But then I always surprise them with an extra room. So they come home every oh. episode and they see all the rooms that I did that they thought were getting done. They're so excited. And then I'm like, oh, wait, there's one more. And then I'll open a door, have them turn around. And then there's a whole new space that I just picked on my own because the house told me to do it. And it just, it, it creates like a surprise on top of a surprise. That must be very rewarding. The best feeling in the entire world yeah. is seeing that something you did with your hand can make somebody else that happy. It is, it is so empowering. It helped me get my confidence and self-esteem back because it's not about how I look anymore. It's about what I'm creating. And if it's making people happy, that means I'm doing a good job. And words of affirmation are my love language. So if you tell me I'm doing a good job, don't pay me. Just tell me that and I will be so happy. And then the fact that I get to do it with my team, who I just, yes. I, I take a bullet for any person on my team. They're my favorite humans in the world. And we get to have these experiences together. And it's unlike any, any love I've ever felt before. Yeah, that's awesome. So we always end with five questions. These okay. are like some rapid fire questions. What do you do for a mental break? Besides redo homes and, I mean, I feel like you do so much. Do you ever get a break? <laughs> no, I do. And here and then I work in the yard. I know it sounds like work, okay. but there's something so cathartic about nature. And I don't wear gloves so I can get my hands dirty. And I just, I love gardening. I love cleaning out the pool. I love being out there playing music. My dog's running around. Like, that is my most zen time. Because I don't do well just sitting. I have to be doing something yeah. good. My mind goes so gardening is my happy place. When is the last time you cried? Wednesday night last week, we had our rap party and I cried all the way through it because there were just so many people there celebrating us. We watched an episode. It was amazing. What are you currently reading? I am reading edits for the show. I don't really have time to read and I spend all my free time kind of watching our show and putting in my editing notes right. and trying to get these episodes in. So there's hundreds of notes that we're going through. My production company and I are just trying to perfect these. So there's a lot of reading, but it's editing. <laughs> editing reading. I think I like this question. What is the best and worst advice you've been given? The best advice I've ever been given is from my dad. And it's the only piece of relationship advice he has ever given me. And I'll never forget it. He said, you know, don't listen to what a man tells you. Just watch what he does. Because words are very easy to come by. But somebody's actions will tell you how they really feel about you. I, I've realized over and over again. And that's not just in men, that's in business, that's in friendship. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder for somebody to have their actions consistently be loving or kind. It's very easy for them to just constantly spew words. Like that takes no energy or effort. And I've always mm -hmm. fallen for words because words are my, like words of affirmation is my love language. Mm -hmm. so I've learned to just watch how people act and the moves that they make because that really tells you how they feel. And that's the best piece of advice. 
the worst piece of advice oh. when I went to figure out who I wanted to have produce this show. Somebody reached out to me, very popular, very successful show they're already doing. And that person said, we can have a bunch of contractors come in and set up a row of houses and nobody will know it's like all on one street. We'll knock out a season really quick. We'll have you doing, we'll show you doing some work, but then you can go home and sleep. So you look good on camera and we're just going to have teams of contractors come in and get all the work done for you. It's the easiest way to do a season and you can knock it out. And I was like, well, no, I actually like to do the work and I want it to be my same team and I want all of us to be shown on camera. I don't want to be taking credit for some guy who hired to do all the work behind the scenes and make me look like I did it. Like, that's not fair. Like, we're doing the work. And he was like, well, you know, you can do it your way or you can do it my way and be successful. It's up to you. Ew. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> like... I'm going to do it my way and it's going to be successful. So yeah, yeah, that was, that was a piece of advice that even when I heard it, I knew it was not good and I'm so glad I didn't take it. Yeah. But it, but it ignited something in you. That's why sometimes like the worst advice can be the best advice. They're like, oh, you'll never be able to do that. You're like, okay, like watch me, you know? It's such a pretty woman moment, right? Like in pretty woman when she like, yes, mistake huge true yeah that's that just kind guy, of yeah yeah with the shopping bags i love that well this we talked about but what instagram account do you find uplifting if any one of the girls on my team she's a nurse former dallas cowboy cheerleader now she's a nurse she is one of the most beautiful souls and she started an instagram account called outlast audio and it is purely recordings of her giving encouraging inspiring uplifting messages it is like such a selfless, kind, beautiful way to just try and give back a little bit. And yeah, it's amazing. So Outlast Audio is is one of my favorite accounts to follow. That sounds so different than most of the things. Yeah. Helping people. Thank you to Gelly for joining me. Where can our listeners find you? So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook at Gailey Alex, G-A-L-E-Y-A-L-I-X. And you can also find me Wednesday nights on HGTV at 9, 8 central or on Discovery Plus streaming over the next eight weeks. Our show Home in a Heartbeat with Gailey Alex premieres tomorrow night and we have eight episodes coming out. I love that name. Okay, that's all folks. Ben Better HBU can be found on Apple and Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, rate and comment and tune in next time. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better, How About You? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, bbhbu. Slide into our DMs with your questions and or comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.